got there. <laughs> Mac and cheese bites. And I am dipping them in bacon cheddar ranch dip or bacon ranch cheddar. Oh, dip. wow. Dipping dairy mm-hmm. products in ranch is so great. Pizza, yum. Mm-hmm. And then I have two s'mores Pop-Tarts sitting on my shelf for the dessert snack snack because I prepared my munchies ahead of time tonight. Excellent. I just ate an awful lot of cookie dough. The, the sugar cookie, the cutout ones, the best. Mm-hmm. I would say cookie dough Pop-Tart was what I had last night. Oh, mm-hmm. how was that? <laughs> they are amazing. The only reason I'm not having one tonight is because I'm trying to savor them and alternate between the different flavors. So I don't just burn through my favorite flavor first. Yeah, I get that. Variety is a spice of life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph. And speaking of variety, there's a little variety show called Saturday Night Live that we're about to talk about. <laughs> and <laughs> Gilda looks so done with my shirt right now. Um- <laughs> Gilda has just had a day and dealing with boy drama and I am just over it. I'm going to tell you, okay, wait, before we get into the rest of this episode, um, <laughs> let's, all, let's all go about sexuality for a minute. I was like, oh my God, do I even like guys? Like, was I even like, was I just faking it the whole time? Um, and I was like, really thinking about it. And then I just saw this quote, honest to God, you know what? <laughs> Let me just pull it up because it really had me thinking it's quote, Chris Evans should roll every joint. He was at our table and someone wanted to get high but doesn't roll. Chris crushed up weed in one hand and prepared the papers in the other. I blinked and suddenly the weed's all in there and it's neatly twisted in a cone. He even used a drink ticket to make a filter. It happened in less than a minute and he didn't bother sitting. It's one of the best joints I've smoked. So I would absolutely want to fuck that man. I was going to say, Chris Evans is like, he's the best of the Chris's. I would do a lot for like an hour in a room alone with him. I mean, that's all I need. <laughs> I'll show him a good time. See, all right. 10 minutes is all I need, but an hour is what I want. Yeah, minimum. But yeah, so this is the podcast where Steph and I, we smoke up, we get high, we talk about Saturday Night Live. And tonight we are covering a classic episode, season two, episode two, which was hosted by Norman Lear with the musical guest Boz Skaggs, and it aired on September 25th, 1976. Yes, this episode was actually not that bad so let's get into it um mm-hmm. the cold open well the cold open was a little bit interesting it was gilda sitting at a desk and she was on the phone with chevy chase who was in the hospital um and we see like a picture of him in the hospital on the phone and that was kind of funny um it was because he had fallen during the debate sketch last week is what they said yeah um no and that was um uh, third beat magazine I don't know what this is but um they had an article that says illustrated history of SNL cast members injuring themselves on podiums while playing politicians named Ford and apparently Chevy Chase did actually hurt himself during that sketch he like pulled a groin muscle or something they have a screen grab of like him on the ground after he did that like podium fall Oh, poor Chevy. Yeah, no. Oh, I know. But no, I, I I thought this is actually a really cute take on a cold open. 
yeah um she ended up well he told her to walk the phone like a muppet and it, she walked the phone like a muppet across the desk and then threw it off the edge and that was his pratfall for the episode yeah i actually thought it was really cute and i don't know it was um and then right after that came uh, the credits and Don Pardo credited the voice of Chevy Chase. And I thought that was fucking funny. Yeah, I like that the credits are, I mean, it seems like they're, are they read different every week? I don't know. They seem to be at this point. I know the post credits are, the after credits. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was just Chevy calling Gilda and saying, hey, I see you, don't do the fall. And then he tells her to make the phone trip over her other hand, which, I don't know, she looked so serious when, I'm sorry, I'm eating, I need to stop eating in the microphone, sorry guys. ASMR. Um, I don't know, it was just like, she looked, Gilda looked so serious when she was doing this, but she was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And it was just so adorable. Yeah, it was really cute. She was so cute this whole episode. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the monologue then, Norman Lear, he was wait oh my god I can't read okay this started weird and I was like okay Jesus he was old then like I'm pretty sure he just got an award at the Screen Actors Guild Awards this year yeah he received the Carol Burnett Award oh at the Golden Globes whoops um and he's still fucking alive he's 98 years old so this man was old then it just goes into this bit where Norman Lear is interviewing people that work for him on his shows. He's basically just asking them about him and like receiving all of this ridiculous praise. And then whenever it was time for them to leave, they would like turn around and make a face behind him or is. Um, and I had actually never really heard Carol O'Connor's real voice. He, when he plays Archie Bunker, he has this very heavy accent. And like Carol O'Connor, the guy that played Archie Bunker, he's just talking and he sounds so nice. And I'm like, what the fuck? It was like, it was a complete like shift from how I have always seen him. You see, I didn't know any of the people in this cold open. I was just like, who are these people? Um, they were kind of good though. They all really sold their, their parts, I thought. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Jean Stapleton, um, she played Edith Bunker. She was a goddamn national treasure. Like, she was just Actually, amazing. I have heard of her. Such, she was so talented. But I don't know. It felt so forced. And then I know that's the joke. And then I was like, wait, Bernadette Peters was in a Norman Lear show? That's weird. Oh, yeah. And then he's interviewing the two people that played... Uh, the Jeffersons, oh fuck, uh, her, it was Louise, Wheezy Jefferson, and I um, can't remember what his first name was, but they, I don't know, the joke, they were talking about, oh, we love you, you're so great, blah, 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 and then the camera pulls back, and they stand up, and they pick up, like, a ball and chain, and it's like, wait, what the fuck, are they slaves? That like, was a bit much for yeah. the monologue of the second episode of the second season I thought (laughs) so much and like granted I loved how the woman who played Wazy Jefferson like picked up the ball and kind of went back at him I I thought that was fucking wonderful and then B. Arthur played Maud 
and she just BS'd him, BS'd him, and then Lorman Lear is sitting there talking to the camera, and B. Arthur calls in two other guys, and they dump, like, an entire trash can's worth of water over Norman Lear, and it was actually kind of funny. It was. And I'm not normally one for gags like that. Yeah, it was cute. He was wearing, like, a bucket hat, so it didn't, like, on his face. Um... Bucket hats were, I think, his thing. Okay, yeah, because then he was also wearing it for the entire time, it felt like. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was solid, it was humorous, it was a little bit odd, but... All right for a monologue. Yeah. Yeah, all right for a monologue. I giggled a little bit. And then we went into a political announcement. Uh, Jimmy Carter, Dan Aykroyd, talking about the Democratic Democratic tradition of sexual performance in the White House. And it was really something else. (laughs) He was talking about, you know... LBJ, FDR, JFK, they were all zesty men. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be a lusty, zesty kind of president. And I thought it was funny. Dan Aykroyd was having a hard time not laughing. He was. Throughout this, like he was smiling. And I just thought that was absolutely adorable. But Jimmy Carter is the sex symbol is hilarious. But part of what this is based on is that Three days. Damn it. I had all of these links pulled up and then I closed out my Chrome last night because I was like, I don't need them anymore. Yeah. Um, So it was like three days before this episode came out. An interview that Jimmy Carter had done with Playboy magazine came out. And in this interview, he said that he's looked on a lot of women with lust. He's committed adultery in my heart, in his heart many times. And it was like adorably cute. Like he was talking to Playboy and he's like, oh yeah, I've committed adultery in my heart. Like I've looked at other women and lusted after them. And so spinning that into Jimmy Carter, the sex symbol, I just thought was absolutely wonderful. And then he starts singing about all the book types of girls that he likes. And he literally just ends up uh, singing California Girls by the Beach Boys. Yeah, it was something else. I didn't realize that there was that context to it. Now it makes a little bit more sense that he had a line where he was like, he said that he was saying it because he thinks it'll help him get elected, which I thought was funny. Um, I guess he must have really actually thought that in real life. Isn't that funny? It must be. I mean, anyway, uh, speaking of lusty slash zesty, do you think Joe is getting laid in the White House or do we think he's too old? No way. I, I, no fucking no way. way. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I, I know that like Kamala and Doug are like, uh, we know they're getting yes, down. Why. They like, they are like, yeah, they're having fun. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was one of the thoughts that popped into uh, my head when I was watching this. I was like, huh. And it was like, well, I don't know. He's kind of rascally, but he's also 78. But then it's like, is it ageist to think that old people don't have sex? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. And then Norman Lear introduced the first musical performance, which I felt came really early tonight. Like, I was like, wait, we're, what? A cold open, a monologue, and a sketch in, and we already got some Boz Skaggs, which I thought it was adorable because apparently this was Norman Lear's daughter's favorite performer. And I'm guessing he pulled strings to uh, get him, I, I don't know, get him on the show. But then... 
So the song starts, Buzzkegs is performing low down, but my first thought was, weird little flute! Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and my only other note for, well, I have a bunch more notes about this, but the backup singer that was on the right was wearing a maroon shirt with blue flowers that had bell sleeves, and I was like, oh my god, I am like 90% sure. It looks exactly like it, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I pulled this out just to be like, oh my god, is this not what the fuck she was wearing? That is, because I was looking at it, and I was like, wow, I don't really wear flowy clothes, but, like, it looks really good on her. Uh, yeah, no, look, look at that, look at that bell sleeve. Oh, I do love a good bell sleeve. Excuse me, yeah, so I pulled that out of the depths of my closet for this, because, well, I don't fit into it right now. Fair enough, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh... I don't know, Buzzkegs, he could not dance. He had a very weird presence. There was a random <laughs> wow in the middle of like one of the solos. And I was like, what are you doing? No one needed that. Yeah, it was strange. And I also noticed that one of the, I think, I don't know, it was a guy on like the trumpet or some shit had the same exact haircut as me. And that was distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it felt like a Jimmy Fallon parody. And then at the end of the performance he was like don't you know and it was like don't we know what very strange i was like please enlighten me sir yeah um the next bit at first i was like what the hell is happening right now because it's norman lear sitting at a desk with his feet up just chilling um and he's not really in character he's just saying that he's he's him he's norman lear he's a producer and he has a writer come in and explain a new show. <laughs> and this show was what the sketch was. It was the snake handling O'Shea's. Um, it was really something else. Uh, part of the theme song, because, okay, well, here's the characters. Actually, I, I didn't write them down, so I'm doing this from, from memory and we'll see where I go. So or you could do it. Okay, because, no, 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 do, do it and I'll, go ahead. Okay, so there's the the nun sister, the the dad who's a union organizer, and the mom who's the president of the the union of the of the company. I don't fucking know what that was exactly. It was, it was like going a on there. steel worker. It was yeah, like a steel worker, steel mill. And the father ran the union, and the mother ran it, or like ran the whole mill. And then and... <laughs> the um son was a state trooper and he was gay and part of the theme song it was just like and junior is gay yeah so norman lear shows they had the they were known for pushing boundaries or introducing new concepts to the family at home watching a sitcom and you know familiarizing them with ideas i'm pretty sure the jeffersons were the first black family on a primetime comedy like that was and they were the neighbors of they were originally the neighbors of Archie and Edith Bunker on All in the Family and so that was a spinoff was the Jeffersons god damn it what was his first name I am gonna I, I know the actor's name uh he just died not too long ago okay, that makes sense because yeah it was like just this wacky family and then he goes and they're all practicing snake handlers right so um George and Louise. God damn it. Why couldn't I remember George Jefferson? Um, Sherman Helmsley was the guy that played him. 
Don't ask me how I remembered Sherman Helmsley and not George, not George Jefferson, but whatever. Um, anyway, all of these shows were like loosely in the same universe, but like on Maud, that was the first American sitcom to talk about abortion. Like it was 1970 something and like, you know, she was going to be a single mother and was she ready to raise a baby with her partner and she already had kids that were older and like, you know, it was this whole thing, but like his shows are really good vehicles for that. So I found that this sketch was really like pushing and like making fun of that. Like, oh, the dad's a union worker. The dad was always like a blue collar worker in these shows. So it was like, dad's a union worker, mom's an exec, which again, that's kind of woo for 1976, the woman working at, you know, running a steel mill. <laughs> Lorraine Newman, oh, and Jane Curtin was playing the mother, John Belushi was playing the dad, Lorraine Newman was playing sister nun, and Dan Aykroyd was the gay son, <laughs> because that was how he was talked about in this sketch. The gay cop. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know, I thought the snacks were cute. Uh, oh. Ray Newman was not thrilled to be handling them. Like, she was, like, biting her lip at one point, like, get this away from me. Yeah, at first I couldn't tell if they were real or not. Um, but, they yeah, they were definitely real because their heads were moving. And that was kind of cool to see snakes on live TV. Like, that's a bit scary, honestly. I was going to say, I think that's one of the first times. I think there was a dog during the louise lasser episode but this is the first time like cast members had interacted with i don't know reptiles or something in their yeah yeah holding snakes um, is fun it got weird and problematic really quick um talking about uh it was uh, you can't borrow the car to go here although lorraine newman called the car the nunmobile and i fucking laughed out loud at that she's like i can't let you borrow the nunmobile if you're going to be with lloyd or whatever and i i yeah that was really funny um they like the whole episode well not the whole episode but the episode was just about uh the gay state trooper's son arrested the dad because he was you know doing a oh fuck what do, what do they call that demonstration i don't know picket line yep <laughs> um yeah and then Lorraine Newman, hang on, sorry, I was so hungry when I got back. Fair enough, I literally inhaled um, food just now. <laughs> uh, Lorraine Newman introduced next week's show, and she's like, normally it would be this at 11.30, but it's going to be this, we're going to be there, and uh, Eric Idol of Monty Python is hosting, and the crowd was like, ooh, and then she announced that Joe Cocker was the musical guest, and the place, like, there were audible gasps. Like, people were like, oh, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, okay, so this was, like, a big name show for them back then. Like, people were like, whoa, what big gets? Joe Cocker. But, I mean, yeah, I actually, I love Monty Python's Flying Circus. I don't really, I mean, I, I watched it I watched it in high school with my boyfriend at the time. Um, so it's been a minute since I've watched it, but that's some good shit right there. I know that Eric Idle was friends with George Harrison, and that's, eh? Yeah, no, George Harrison, like, funded a bunch of Monty Python stuff. He might have been in some stuff. He loved them. Yeah. That's so, so cool. I mean, I saw, I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, back when we were talking about John Belushi doing the whole Joe Cocker impression as the musical guest. I, I mean, I saw Joe Cocker. And it was, I forgot about that. Yeah, right? Um, but, yeah, so anyway, that's next week's show. Um, and then we had Weekend Update, which I thought Jane Curtin did a 
fucking good job at this. And I thought the opening was just. Yes, she did do a good job. You could tell she was like, I don't know, a little bit nervous. But yeah, it started out just like it does with Chevy Chase where he's on the phone and she's on the phone and she was just very confused. And we're all in on the joke because we know that on the other side is some girl talking about sex. And she was like, a golden shower? What is that? Which, okay, I don't really believe any adult doesn't know what the hell that is. Um, <laughs> but maybe things were different when they didn't have the internet. No, but <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, like, I don't know, her just playing the, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong number. What? Like, she, it was like she was playing it as, you know, she had no idea who this person was, what Chevy Chase was up to. And I don't know, just the general, not disdain, but like the just, this is juvenile and I am above this. I'm going to read the news and the jokes are with it. I don't know. I just thought her vibe was so good and I can't wait to see more of her doing this because, yeah. Yeah. It, she did bring a totally different vibe to Weekend Update than what we've seen for the past whole fucking season. Um, I, I was here for it, you know? She was kind of professional about it. She had this joke about Mr. Ford. Mr. Ford. <laughs> That's what I wrote in my notes, so I just said it. <laughs> I'm sure she, I don't know, somebody must have said that. Or, but would you really say Mr. Ford? I, don't you have to say President Ford? I don't know. Um, you have to? Oh, no, I apologize. Okay. No one's um, <laughs> going to knock down your door because you didn't. I'm just saying it's generally protocol to refer to someone who has been elected president as the president, which is why Stephen Colbert stopped. He won't say Trump on his show and he won't show it. And he won't even say the former president because he's like, that makes me feel ickier. And so what he did um, is he started a hashtag on Twitter called he who shall be named. And he literally just told people to send him nicknames for Donald Trump with that hashtag. And he's been using them in his show with credit to the people on Twitter, bottom of the screen. That is so fun. Wow. Um, anyway, Gerald Ford. Uh, he had been a little bit scared of Jimmy Carter in the election. And she said that it was because he had peanuts envy, which was a really well-delivered line. It was a really well-delivered line. It was a funny joke on multiple levels. I also liked the Gerald Ford in response to Jimmy Carter's Playboy interview and said that he's practiced celibacy in his heart. And... <laughs> I, I, again, I just thought that was funny. Um, there was a joke about Patty Hearst saving herself for the right army, which, okay, problematic, but funny. It was not what I expected Jane Curtin to say, so it was kind of funny. Um, Lorraine Newman was a correspondent in Times Square. Uh, the worst green screen I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and... <laughs> and she was there, and she was talking about it being New Year's, and then you realize that she's talking about Rosh Hashanah. Uh, it, that was a bit, a bit weird of a bit, I'll say. I don't really know. I didn't bother to look if Lorraine Newman is Jewish or not, but either way. <sighs> yeah. She's Jewish. Mm -hmm. It looks it. Okay. That makes me feel a bit better because like the way that she said it, it was like it was like such a joke and i was like Ooh. <laughs> i mean it says her family is jewish she's the granddaughter of an arizona jewish cattle rancher wow i mean granddaughter not daughter but still um yeah 
So, there's a really fucking problematic joke about Elton John coming out as bi and saying half of the interview was in Rolling Stone and the other half was in Women's Wear Daily. And I was like, wow, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that was our, um, what do you call it? The token biphobic mm-hmm. moment of the episode. <laughs> um, then <laughs> there was... Uh, and that was really the best. That was the, that was it, right? There's no oh. more. Yeah, it's a weekend update. Oh. Um, there was a joke about Alka Seltzer killing itself and leaving behind a note that said "plop plop fizz fizz." Oh, what a relief it is! And I was like, "What the fuck?" I laughed so fucking hard at that. I was laughing too hard to write down the note about that. I thought I was going to remember it, but clearly I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we see Norman Lear, and he's standing on stage alone, and he said that something felt like it was missing because Chevy's been out, and as he's talking about how he thinks there's something missing, he does this, like, little somersault fall, like Willy Wonka, you know? Um and he did it so fucking well he kept his hat on and everything kept his hat on and everything and uh yeah it led in i just realized that before i started this i had had my beer and i hadn't smoked (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah he straight up tumbled and my heart dropped because even though like i knew it was planned i was like oh my god an old man just took a tumble and then it transformed or it shifted over to Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda Radner singing a song about Chevy Chase called Chevy's Girls. And hang on. They're really They're great performers. So I mean, we've seen them sing and dance before, but like, it was just, this is entertaining. I had the transcript pulled up because some of the fucking. There were some great lines in this little song. Although, I mean, were they really whipped for Chevy? Who knows? Um. When he talked to Dirty on the phone, oh, uh, dissolved to Chevy on the cover of Photoplay magazine with Jane Curtin, and this is uh, courtesy of snltranscripts.jt.org. Um, and when he's doing update, my heart stands still. When he says that Franco's still dead, I could die. When he talks dirty on that phone, it's like he's talking to me. I go to pieces when he sneezes in his tie. Uh... Chevy, Chevy, I love when you fall down each Saturday night on my TV. Oh, but Chevy, every time you take that fall, I wish that you were falling, falling for me. I shrieked at that. Oh my god, it was so fucking good. One day he came into my dressing room. Do tell! He asked for a match and I felt my heart swoon. And yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was fucking perfect. And I wanted to hate it, but I couldn't. And Paul Paul Schaefer wrote this or at least helped write it and my god that man can write a bop hate it it was really great i also was kind of like upset that i liked it so much yeah the next sketch was on it was dan Aykroyd talking about his little metric system um this was the metric week and he started off by reminding us about his decibet that's how it was pronounced right or was it i can't remember remember. the 10 letter alphabet and that's going to help with his uh 
his metric week system, which is three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday become Wednesday, but in Decibet, that's Mwen. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday become <laughs> Saturday. I can't even say what the fuck is Saturthers. Yeah, Saturthers, uh, Terth and Decibet. And then Sunday, the traditional day of rest stays Sunday. Which I'm sorry. Some of this sketch, like the sketch kind of went off the rails in the back half, but Dan Aykroyd saying Wednesday or when or Saturdays, Terth. Like, I don't know. It was so fucking adorable just how he's just like, it was like a frog spitting out words. But then he introduces his 100 hour day, which I was so fucking confused. And I loved how he was like, will it, you ask, will it mess up my sleep? Yes, it will. And he just took such pleasure in saying that line that it gave me joy as well. So. Yeah, it was, it was really cute, but then it turned into like a skit. It was supposed to be like a PSA, like a government type thing of, oh, this is what life will be like with this metric week. And it was a couple, Norman Lear and I think Gilda Radner. Mm-hmm. And they just were telling each other about what they did in their day, which was a very long list of things because their day is 100 hours. And, you know, she brought the evening paper. It was a fucking brick. Uh, although they did say there would be eight hours for a single meal. And I was like, oh, actually sign me up. <laughs> I'm down for that. The rest of it sounded terrible. Um, I did think it was funny that Norman Lear started his day out by getting breakfast with Uncle Oscar. And he was talking about how the 100-hour day allowed him to get home in time for Uncle Oscar's funeral. <laughs> that was wild. The story of Uncle Oscar, which just slipped into there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I wrote, put little Timmy in third. No. You know, I wish I, I knew. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I was going to say, I, don't, I, don't, I have no fucking clue. As per usual, I have no <sighs> idea what the hell's going on. Um, but actually, you know what I did have an idea for the hell's going on was the Gary Weiss film for this week, which is actually not that bad. He's getting good, you guys. <laughs> Call on it. <laughs> I I mean, okay, so in this, he reminded me of like a 1976 Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I don't know what it was about him, but it gave off that vibe. Like, just like how he was talking, how he was leaning. Maybe it's just because I just watched Trial of Chicago 7. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It was like physical comedy over Gary Weiss singing Yankee Doodle. But the physical comedy was like Gilda Radner walking into a wall for a sound effect or John Belushi splashing milk on his face, I think. I think he did a spit take with the milk. A spit take with the milk. Okay, I, I I knew there was milk going through the air for some reason and that John Belushi was involved. Yeah, and when he was on the phone, he was just like, so what are you going to do with this? You're just going to uh, put physical comedy with the song? And that was essentially what we were seeing as he was talking about it. It was... I think it was, a sh- it was the shortest Gary Weiss film. Yeah, it was the perfect amount of time. We saw the, the clips of the cast members multiple times right 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 single to go into that wall yeah which was that wall and it fucking shook (laughs) i noticed that she started laughing when it did um the next sketch i was just like so fucking disgusted by that 
Do you want to handle it? Do you want me to handle it? Yeah. Well, okay. So this sketch starts out and it's John Belushi and Gilder Wagner. He's her divorce lawyer and he wants her to talk about her experience for the court. He wants her to, you know, practice for him and she does it. She goes, you know, my husband used to beat me up and the audience started laughing and I was like, huh? Right? Like, literally. And <sighs> so she tells this whole fucking story. Yeah, it was horrible. And then he says, no, you need to do it with more emotion. So then she starts to do it again. Uh, but still, it's bad. And he tells her to sob. Which, okay, this she did this kind of funny. She was like, she was like, oh, I have to sob. And then she goes, it was terrible. Uh... <laughs> which, like, <laughs> that's, that's the level of effort I would give in as well <laughs> right but like <clears throat> she's talking about how the abuse in her marriage is getting worse and um she's saying oh her husband would hit her if the salt wasn't out and then John Belushi I was just like people were laughing at John Belushi like yanking Gilda Radner across the set by her hair and I was like yeah no that's not funny that would not fly on tv today I am almost positive no it was like kind of horrific and then norman lear walks on and he plays the senior partner of this firm and he says uh apologize to her and then he goes to show gilda how to or how what john belushi's looking for and when he starts talking belushi fucking beats him up too and then he like breaks character and it was i mean that was kind of funny when he broke character I, he was like you hot shot producer it, that that was and he was just like beating him up but like i felt like we could have gotten to that point differently we could have gotten there differently um yeah i was like okay he's choking norman lear but it went from like funny it started as okay We've seen something to this effect before. I feel like we saw something like this early on in season one. Probably. I think so. I'm pretty sure Gilda was getting like thrown around the set by someone. Oh, yeah. I did not find it funny then either. But I, I don't know. There were so many levels of no. And it was like, and the joke at the end was that John Belushi had killed Norman Lear. Yeah. She was like, John, he's an important producer. And he goes, well, he's not our producer. What the fuck? Yeah, I was really like, what the hell is this? Okay. And then, what can you say? We had uh, Buzz Skagg's second performance. He performed What Can I Say? And I liked this song better. It was still not great, but it was better. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. Um, this next sketch, I'm going to be real honest with you. At this point in the episode, I was very tired. And this sketch had a lot going on. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to need you to explain it. That's 100% fine. You really have to be familiar with the British Rhodesian conflict to understand this sketch. And the only reason why I understood like a modicum of it, I've listened to the Behind the Bastards on Henry Stanley Morton or whoever the fuck. It was like on Rhodesia and it was horrific. A lot of singing in this sketch. There was a lot of singing in this sketch. Uh, Garrett Morris was Rhodesian. 
John Belushi was portraying Henry Kissinger and Dan Aykroyd was an old British dude. And they were trying to negotiate peace and withdrawal from, or like having Britain withdraw. And Garrett Morris was not used a bunch in this episode. I think I really only recall seeing him in the Gary Weiss film in this. But he had a few Yeah, really in the Gary Weiss film, I don't know if we mentioned it, but he was getting pied in the face. Yes. Yes, that was one of the sound effects. Um, I don't know, he had a few good lines. Uh, he called the British guy Pig Pork Face. And uh, he said, no, Mr. Hung Like a Hamster, which I thought was an amazing line. That was an amazing line. He's fucking funny. He shines whenever he has screen time. He does. But yeah, it was it was a super fucking niche sketch about Henry Kissinger negotiating peace and how he does this by wearing people down through song. And he got the other two men to sing All You Need Is Love, uh, Reach Out in the Darkness by Friend and Lover, and give peace, give peace a Chance. And so Henry Kissinger, he just like exhausts these two guys and they're like, make it stop. So the British guy signs a piece of paper and Henry Kissinger comes out and he's like, I did it, I got it. And it turns out that the guy signed a like on or a, an advertisement. It was a subscription was just... to Playboy. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, definitely not a peace treaty. But um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it ended funny. And then <clears throat> there was something so I did not get it at first, and I know that was the point. But it's I was Norman very confused. Mary's... Oh, God, it was so weird. I was like, oh, my God, this poor man is bombing. It's like they didn't want me to tell a joke, but I wanted to tell a joke. And so I'm going to tell this joke. And can I have some help from the audience here? Yes, you, you, come on up here. And so he calls this young lady up on stage, and they're doing this joke about, like, um, you come up to me on the street and ask me how many brothers I have, and I say this. And they go through a variation of the joke a few times with each person getting something wrong. And Norman Lear turns to the camera and he's like, so this joke is a joke. I wanted to do this joke because this joke was one that I did with my daughter when she was little. And to help me tonight was my daughter. And it was like she, it was, she was the person he pulled up from the audience. And I was like, oh, that was so cute. That was actually very cute. I love some good father-daughter content in my SNL. Yeah, it was wholesome. Very wholesome. It was wonderful. Yeah. And then we had their home movie for the night was titled Spanish Peanuts. And it was just a uh, stop motion peanuts wearing sombreros and dancing. Yeah, I, I if there was a point to this one, it went straight the fuck over my head because I was like, awesome. They're, they're peanuts and they're dancing to Spanish music. Oops. It was intricate, though. Um, I really wonder how long it took that person to make. Right. I mean, a lot of time went into that, and I'm not surprised it was selected because stop motion seems to be what they're looking for in home movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was my, my note for this was impressive, but why? Yeah, exactly. And the good nights were really cute. They were. So that was the episode. <laughs> yeah. What was your worst? Okay. My worst was um, the. Gilder Radner and John Belushi lawyer situation. The yeah, I wrote the physical abuse lawyer. Yeah, That's, I agree. That was my worst. Yeah, my runner-ups had a tie between Norman Lear's monologue and Weekend Update. Wow, interesting. Those are not all I had. Um, 
but I could see why you chose both of those. Um, for me, my runner up was probably the uh political announcement where Dan Aykroyd was talking about sex. Um, mm, and then yeah, the the snake handling show was my winner just because it was it was just so weird and out there and I love seeing snakes okay yeah (laughs) my best and I can't believe I'm saying this but it was Chevy's girls wow wow I not because I you know not because of my undying love for Chevy Chase I think we can all attest that I have no love for that man but for I don't know Lorraine Newman Gilda Radner and Jane Curtin fucking killed this song I loved it it was funny it was well it was well performed the beat was catchy and yeah I definitely did pick the Norman Lear monologue because I grew up watching most of the shows referenced and it was like oh this reminds me of when I was little so yeah that's so cute so yeah that was season two episode two if you want to find us on social media at Sat Night High Pod, you could find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, and Facebook. Uh, our Gmail is Sat Night High Pod, and we have a website, satnighthighpod.com. Oh, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. I've really had a good time talking with you guys on Reddit and Twitter this past week, so I look forward to doing more of that. Um, and next week we'll be doing season two, episode three, I believe. Yes, with which Joe was... Cocker and the other person who it was a name that I remember, but I forgot. Eric Idle. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I didn't, and... I didn't know his name, but I knew his, his situation, which is Monty Python's Flying Circus. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so until next time, I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph. Happy late 420 highs. Yeah, happy late 420 highs, guys.